Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I am your host, Tony Serino, and this is your daily dose of all things Steelers. A special Saturday edition of Locked On Steelers. I apologize for not getting a podcast out on Friday. I had a busy day, wasn't able to record the podcast. Thought I would be able to get one in in the evening, but that didn't happen as well. So here we go, a special Saturday edition. And today, we are breaking down the film of both Steven Nelson and Dante Moncrief, the two big free agent signings the Steelers made this offseason. Can Steven Nelson not just fill the void as far as the starting outside corner, but can he pick up the slack where the Steelers were so bad and with turnovers last year? Can he fill that void? And then for Dante Moncrief, we've been talking about it all year. The Steelers need a speedy outside receiver. Is he that guy? We'll talk about both players today. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Tony Serino. You can find more of this podcast by going to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Wherever you find podcasts, search Locked On Steelers. Hit that subscribe button. Make sure to get your daily dose. You can follow me on Twitter at Steeler Country. You can find me on Facebook. Search Locked On Steelers. Hit the like button there. Make sure you also join the Facebook group. You can also find me on Instagram at Locked On Steelers. And let's start today with some news and notes. Punter Jordan Berry is back. He was signed to a two-year deal last week. He's going to make $1.5 million this year, $2 million next year. It's an easily cuttable contract. Remember, look, Jordan Berry was in a competition in camp with Matt Weil, so he was by no means, you know, the the guaranteed starter in 2018. Now he's given this two-year deal after what was a, a fairly disappointing 2018. Remember, he was called out by Tomlin after one of the games last year, so, you know, Jordan Berry didn't have a great year, stuck with the team all year. I expect he will have competition in camp again. You know, Matt Weil, who was the competition last year, he went on to be the starting punter for the Minnesota Vikings. So, you know, the Steelers had two starter-capable guys a year ago. I expect they'll try to do the same this year. I don't know that Jordan Berry is guaranteed a spot on this roster, but he was signed to a two-year deal. Also signed to a two-year deal, nose tackle Daniel McCullers re-signed. I don't understand this one. In fact, I haven't understood the Daniel McCullers thing in, like, two years. Now, I understand that Carl Dunbar, the new defensive line coach, got the most out of Daniel McCullers, and, and, and 2018 was certainly McCullers' best year. But still, I just don't know why you need a big-body nose tackle in the modern game. I guess the Steelers are preparing for a world in which, you know, football reverts to a 1995 play style, in which case, fine, you know, you got Daniel McCullers waiting in the wings. But otherwise, I don't understand really what he brings to this roster. You know, I, I, I've been a big proponent this offseason of trying to bring in talent on the defensive line that can give you a better interior pass rush. And not to say that the guys the Steelers already have aren't good enough, but just, you know, the Steelers love that rotation on the defensive line. I'd love to see this team upgrade over a guy like Tyson Alualu as far as an interior pass rusher. You know, I think Hargrave can fill that role for sure. We know Cam Hayward can. Stephon Tool, when he's playing as at his peak, when he's playing to his potential, he certainly can be that player as well. I think there's, I think there's a, 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 a spot for one more guy. Uh, and Daniel McCullers is not that guy. Now, you know, the Steelers can still go out in the draft and get a guy. And again, McCullers' deal is $1 million this year, $1.6 next. So this is, an, again, another easily cuttable player. He'll be there in camp. We'll see uh, if the Steelers elect to keep him as we get to that 53-man roster cutdown. Eli Rogers also brought back on a two-year deal. Very underrated player. Look, you, people forget that, what was it, two years ago, three years ago, he had 50 catches, 500 yards as the starting slot receiver. And that was in a year where the Steelers had so many injuries at wide receiver that Rodgers was kind of thrust as basically wide receiver two on this team. And he really filled that spot. And again, this was at a time when, you know, he, he had was he was coming off of injury himself. You know, he didn't have a whole lot of time to work in a rapport with Ben Roethlisberger. Now, here we are a couple years later. 
you know, he has, he's coming off of another ACL tear, but he looked very good in that game against the Patriots. I love what he brings as a slot receiver, his ability to find open space, his ability to, to bring down combat catches as a slot receiver, very underrated. Uh, I, I, and look, he's not going to be, we, we talk a lot about how many slot receivers the Steelers already have as far as Juju being that kind of big slot receiver. What Eli Rogers and, and Ryan Switzer are really going to be competing for is that fourth wide receiver spot. You know, the Steelers used four wide receivers more than anyone in the league last year. I think it was around 10% of their uh, of their plays were run out of four wide receiver sets. And so I expect that number will be just as high You know, when you consider how much depth the Steelers have at wide receiver. They may not have a wide receiver one, and they may still have questions about that wide receiver spot as far as who are going to be their starting outside receivers. But when you talk about having four wide receiver sets or your ability to, to play four wide receiver sets, uh, the Steelers certainly have that because they have guys like Ryan Switzer and, and Eli Rogers competing for that spot. And I think it is going to be a roster. There's going to be a, a competition in camp for that fourth wide receiver spot between Rogers and Switzer. Remember, Rogers can return punts as well. So there'll be, um, there'll, there'll be a competition there as well. I really like the Eli Rogers signing. LJ Fort signed by the Philadelphia Eagles. LJ Fort was the inside linebacker for the Steelers last year who played such a role in pass coverage. Really was the best coverage linebacker the Steelers had a year ago. Now, not to say he was great in that role. He was just the best the Steelers had. And, and we've been talking about this all offseason, how the Steelers have to upgrade this spot. I think that played a role in why LJ Fort elected to take that deal with the Eagles over a deal with the Steelers. The Steelers reportedly had been offering LJ Fort a contract during this free agency period, but Ford elects to go to the Eagles. Um, I think he saw the writing on the wall. I think he understands that you know the Steelers are likely to covet a guy like Devin White, Devin Bush, Mac Wilson, whatever inside linebacker it's going to be in this draft. They're going to go out and get their three-down, re- you know, replacement, right? Their their replacement for Ryan Shazier, and that's going to leave L.J. Ford in an awkward spot where you know, he's only going to be playing if it's because of injury at that point. So. It does leave the Steelers in a bad spot, no doubt about it. I mean, right now, John Bostic, Vince Williams, Tyler Matikiewicz doesn't give you a whole lot of confidence in, in those three guys' ability to cover the middle of the field. But remember, this is a work in progress at this point, and I expect this just makes inside linebacker even a bigger need as we get into April. And, and by all reports, this this team is, is going to be coveting guys like Devin White and Devin Bush at pick 20. No Ben Roethlisberger extension just yet. That had been assumed that he was going to sign a deal you know, pretty much anytime over the past couple of weeks, right? Uh, there, the, Kevin Colbert talked about this as being a priority for this team this offseason, and, and yet here we are, and there's still no still no Ben extension and really no reports that there's anyone in sight. Not It's not imminent in any way. And what's interesting about that is that on Friday, his roster bonus kicked in. And you, you would have expected the Steelers would want to get that deal done before the roster bonus kicked in, much like how they wanted to get the AB trade done before his roster bonus kicked in. And that did happen with AB. It did not happen with Ben Roethlisberger. That's interesting. I, you know, I still think a deal with Ben is going to get done at some point this offseason. I think I think the, the re-signing of Ramon Foster, the extension of Marquise Pouncey, I think those were all kind of sweeteners on whatever this Ben extension is going to be. I think the Steelers, that was kind of a, a way of the Steelers telling Ben, look, you know, we still believe in you. We're, we're still, we're keeping your guys together, especially your offensive line together. But you ha- you do have to wonder... How much has the the talk about Ben Roethlisberger in the media and about his leadership, how much of that has taken a toll on him over the past three months? I mean, he hasn't said anything publicly. I mean, he has literally said, he has stayed 100% quiet throughout this entire thing. How much of how much of the questioning of his leadership has taken a toll on him when it comes to, do I want to sign a contract extension for three more years? 
Do I want to sign a contract extension for four or five more years? How many more years does Ben Roethlisberger want to put himself through this? This is a guy who two years ago was already talking about retirement. And now that was a lot of that, I think, had to do with his, his relationship with Haley and how bad that had gotten. So they got Haley out of town, kept Ben Roethlisberger around. But, you know, there, there has been nonstop. I mean, you had this, you had the Sports Illustrated put out an article yesterday where they talked to Josh Harris, who was basically a practice squad running back for the Steelers a couple years back, and Isaac Redman, who I, and this, this was a, an article about these two guys and, and, you know, what was Ben like in the locker room and two guys who were questioning Ben's leadership. Now, for Josh Harris, you know, he did have some disparaging things to say about Ben. Isaac Redman, on the other hand, really didn't say a whole lot in the article and then came out on social media afterwards and said, look, this, my, these quotes about me are taken out of context. You know, I, I have nothing bad to say about Ben and all of that. Yeah, but but this is where we are right now, where you know somehow the whole AB thing, because because Ben has his own problems, right? And I've said I've talked about this in the past. I don't think Ben is a Boy Scout by any stretch. I think he talks publicly too often. I think things he should keep to himself or keep in that locker room. He too often times will repeat in, in on his radio show. I think the radio show should be canceled, right? I think I think Ben can be a diva at times, but some of the things that are being said about him publicly, that he's the real source of all of the problems in Pittsburgh, that he is the real issue. That is just crazy talk to me. You know, ben, yes, Ben is, is wrong to go on his radio show at times and call out certain players and call out the organization when they take Mason Rudolph. I mean, he just says stupid things sometimes. But, you know, this idea that that's the root cause of why AB went nuts and why Le'Veon felt like he had to leave town and, and wanted so much money. I mean, that's just, it, has, it just doesn't make any sense. You can't connect those dots in any way. But yet, you know, the media will continue to try to do that. Um, and I just, I just wonder, I just wonder with Ben, how much of this is taking a toll on him? How much of this is, is making him reconsidering what he wants out of this extension? How many years he wants out of this extension? How many years he wants to keep doing this? I, I think he's going to play 2019. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he called Dante Moncrief. Um, this was during Dante Moncrief's introductory press conference. He said, Ben's already talked to him, wants to work out this offseason. Ben's preparing himself to play. Don't worry about that. He's not going to retire. The worry that I would have is, is he really going to sign a three-year deal, four-year deal? Does Ben really want to play the three to five more years he's been talking about? Or does this take a toll on him and he says, look, maybe it's maybe it's two more years and I'm out. Maybe it's one more year. Maybe this is, you know, this is the last year for Ben. We'll see. We'll see what happens with Ben over the next couple weeks. Still expect him to sign an extension at some point. And then let's talk about the Steelers' two free agent signings. We'll start with Steven Nelson. Watched a lot of tape on him going all the way back. I started with the playoff game that he was in and kind of worked my way backwards from there, uh, this is a this is solid signing for the Steelers overall. I, I think I think watching Steven Nelson, you understand right off right off the top why they got him. Two things that stand out to me that I know the Steelers covet more than anything. Number one, he is a physical receiver. He is a guy who is going to stick his nose in the pile. You know he wants he wants to hit you, um, and he is physical both as a coverage corner but also as a tackler. And he is not afraid to get in there and play against the run as well. Uh, Steven Nelson is fantastic in that way. And I think that that was a big reason why, but he's all, he's also a physical receiver when it comes to, uh, you know, his ability to cover, uh, and he gets his hands in there. He's very good when the ball is in the air, you know, he, he attack the football mentality. Uh, that's why he had four interceptions. Why he, I think he had 13 pass breakups a year ago. Um, this is a guy who I, I expect will lead the Steelers in interceptions next year. And there's a couple reasons why. Okay. So let's talk about the, the, the good and the bad, right? So the good is he's a very physical receiver, good tackler, He's very good when the ball is in the air, when he has an ability to play the ball. Now, the problems for him are that he's not a super athletic guy. In fact, the guy, you know, when he's going up against a superior athlete, he's going to really struggle. And he did struggle a lot a season ago. 
Um, you know, when he has to play off coverage and, and you have a good route runner, he's just never going to be able to make up that space to, to attack the ball there. And it's going to, it's going to lead to easy completions. And that's just going to happen with Steven Nelson because he doesn't have the athletic traits to break on the ball you know, with, with, with uh, like some of the best guys in the league can, he's going to be a cornerback too. He's not going to be a shutdown guy. They're going to definitely be easy completions going Steven Nelson's way. The other bad part of him is because he is so physical and because he's trying to attack the football at times, it's going to lead to dumb pass interference. He had, he had one where I think he was covering, It was maybe it was Doug Baldwin or Tyler Lockett, one of the Seahawks receivers down the sideline. He had decent coverage. You know, he, he was kind of hand fighting a little bit. And then he just kind of, you know, because you know, he wants to put his hands on you, he wants to be physical with you. He just, you know, he kind of leaned into him a little too much, got the receiver off his route, but it led to a pass interference call that I think, you know, was a 20, 30-yard pass interference um, down the field. It's just a silly play in his part because he had the guy, you know, he had good coverage on him. If he turns his head around, you know, puts his hand on the football, you know, he can at least bat it away. Instead, he elects to be a little too physical there and draws the P.I. call. That can be frustrating, and that's a lot, very frustrating at times on tape. Um, but like I said, when the ball's in the air and he has the ability to attack it, he will, and he's very good in that area. You know, I just question his athleticism, his ability to stay with top guys. He won't be asked to be cornerback one in Pittsburgh. I think that will stay with uh, Joe Hayden. And so I think the Steelers, def- this is a definite upgrade for them over Cody Sensabaugh. This is a guy who will, I think, start all 16 games for the Steelers if he stays healthy. There will, there will probably be no competition there for him in camp. Um, like what I saw on tape for Steven Nelson. Now, you know, he's going to be cornerback too, which is mean, which means, and I've always had this theory that there's one cornerback you like and one cornerback you don't like. And I think there's going to be a lot of Steeler fans who are not going to like Steven Nelson just because of those easy completions I talked about. There are going to be times where it just looks like, what is Steven Nelson doing out there? He's playing so far off the receiver. Uh, he's allowing easy completions. That's going to happen throughout the year. And I think, I think fans are going to get frustrated with that off the top because he doesn't have those athletic traits and he, he has to do that at times. You know, you saw him, you watch him play against, um, like a like a Mike Williams or a Tyrell Williams against or even a um, the other guy Benjamin there in, in San Diego. I mean he just he had a or San Diego, L.A. in the the L.A. Chargers. Uh, he just had he just had a tough time. He has a tough time in those matchups because again he just he has to, he cannot play as physical as he wants to play uh, because he, he's so afraid of getting beat deep. And by the way he will get beat deep at times. I mean there are times when he wants to play press and he gets his hands in there and he gets beat off the line of scrimmage. Um, and then he's again, he just does not have that that makeup speed, and that's not what we're getting here. You know, with Artie, at times you could he can make up for his his poor technique because he's just such a gifted athlete. Steven Nelson's the opposite of that, and he's going to have to watch out for that. Um, but I, again, I, I'm excited about the Nelson signing. Now, when we talk about his contract, and we talk about what you know what the Steelers paid for him. I said the other day, I thought the Steelers might have overpaid a bit, and I think it's in the way that they structure the contract. Not not that you know that that he's a uh, not that he's not worth. The money, I think they, they sent it to right around like $8 million a year, and that would be fine. But the way that they structured it, they, they it's all it's all kind of in the last years of that deal. So the cap hit for 2019 is $4 million. And then you have $11 million, $10.75 million cap hits in 2020 and 2021. That seems a little high. You're basically paying $11 million for Steven Nelson in the, in the last two years of this deal. Sure, you're saving it this year. And, I, and you know the AB deal comes off the books next year. So I guess they'll have some extra money to spend. But I don't know. $11 million back-to-back years for Steven Nelson does feel like it's a little too much to be paying. But maybe they can restructure that down the line. Regardless, uh, I liked the Steven Nelson signing. I think he will be the starter in 2019. He will certainly be an upgrade over what the Steelers had in Cody Sensabaugh. And then let's finish up today with Dante Moncrief, the wide receiver the Steelers signed from the Jacksonville Jaguars. He previously played with the Indianapolis Colts. There's some interesting things here because... 
the the first thing that will stand out is if you put on Dante Moncrief tape, especially from the 2018 season, the first thing that will stand out to you is nothing about Dante Moncrief and everything to do with who is throwing him the football and how bad his quarterback play was in 2018. You know, Blake Bortles and Cody Kessler and that Jacksonville offense, it was bad. I mean, it is bad, bad. And then you go a year before that and Jacoby Brissett, not, not to say Brissett's a bad quarterback, but again, you know, he's the, he's not dealing with elite talent at the quarterback position. He's not, you know, he, he has uh, problems of his own there. So you know, Dante Moncrief, I think there's some projection you can talk about when it comes to can you unlock something about Dante Moncrief that you haven't seen in the past because he's playing with a guy like Ben Roethlisberger and, and because Ben can do some things that uh, Blake Bortles cannot do or, you know, just more accurate uh, fitting balls into tighter windows. You know, Moncrief, I, it's a hard, you don't see those plays a lot, especially in Jacksonville because those quarterbacks just weren't making those throws or they're making terrible. I mean, there are just some bad throws, bad interceptions thrown Moncrief's way. Uh, and then the other thing about Moncrief is that at, at times they really limited his route tree to just kind of short curls and short outs and just easy completions for Cody Kessler and Blake Bortles. And, you know, again, that's the kind of thing that you won't see in Pittsburgh. What the Steelers needed from Dante Moncrief is exactly what they're getting. And, and you'll see this on tape regardless of who's throwing him the football. The guy has good speed and knows how to beat you deep. And those are the two things we've talked about this team needing at the outside receiver position. What they need at wide receiver is is someone who can draw some attention away from Juju. Right? We talk about pre- replacing AB and replacing his productivity. The Steelers don't need another 1,000-yard receiver. They don't need to replace the 15 touchdowns. They need more of that to go Juju's way. Right? And they just need some guys to complement Juju. And I think Dante Moncrief, at the very least, can be that. I think he's a receiver that can take the top off of defense. If you're asking him to run go routes, you're good. Because right? that, that's what he can do. And if Ben can deliver him the ball there, I think he's going to surprise some teams early on. Now, can you can you ask him to do more? I think it's a complete projection. As I said, he wasn't asked to do a whole lot else in Jacksonville. He's got questionable hands at times. You know, there, there are times when Moncrief, it's kind of 50-50, feast or famine at times, right? Sometimes he's making incredible combat catches where you're, you, you think there's no way he's going to bring it down. And then there are other times where it's easy balls and he just, you know, he, he can't bring it down. So it's a little bit feast or famine there. I'm really interested to see how Moncrief looks with a good quarterback. Again, watching so much tape of this guy, <laughs> having Blake Bortles throw him the ball and having Jacoby Pissett throw him the ball, I'm, I think he's ready to play with an elite quarterback like Ben, and I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table there. But, you know, if we're just talking about what does Moncrief bring that, you know, as far as a known quantity, it's a deep threat. It's the deep threat that the Steelers need in this offense right now. And anything else is just icing on the cake, really. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's uh, it's a nice to have, but they certainly don't need it. I mean, what they need is a guy like James Washington to step up and they need to get a rookie who can come in and, and make an impact on day one as well. And that's why I think what John Ledger was saying on Twitter the other day, which is that the Steelers plan should still be to draft a wide receiver high in this draft. Someone who can come in and start right away. Uh, you hope that James Washington turns a corner in year two. And then, and then Dante Moncrief, I mean, he could be your fourth best receiver. He could be your fifth best receiver. We start talking about guys like, like uh, Ryan Switzer and Eli Rogers. And I think the Steelers are in a good spot. In that way, you know, they have their wide receiver one. They have their wide receiver of the future. His name is Juju Smith-Schuster. And as I said before, all they have to do is get some complimentary pieces around him to make sure that Juju can continue making the same plays he made a year ago. Don't don't let defenses key on him, double him on every play. And as, as long as the Steelers can, can leave Juju in a spot where he can make his plays, I think this offense is going to be just fine. I know losing Antonio Brown is going to hurt. But guys like Dante Moncrief, you know, they're not going to be superstar signings, but they bring enough to the table to fill the need the Steelers have. And that need is a deep threat, an outside receiver that that 
commands some respect from that defense and allows Juju to make his plays underneath. Before I go, I do want to let you guys know that next week will probably be a lighter week of podcasts. I am actually on vacation, but unlike last year where I pre-recorded everything and you know it was a recap of the 2017 season and we put it out all week. Uh, it was all pre-recorded. That was crap. It was a crap week of podcasts. I didn't like the quality of them. You guys clearly didn't like them either because they were the least downloaded podcasts I've ever done. Uh, so I'm not going to do that again. Instead, uh, there'll probably just be a lighter week. I'll still record throughout the week, but just expect podcasts maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday. What I want to do is a mailbag at some point next week. So I'll put the word out on Twitter. I'll put the word out on Facebook for the mailbag. Uh, you guys can get your questions in there. Other, or if you want to email me, SteelerCountry at gmail.com. Uh, you can put them in there. Uh, well, I want to do a seven-round mock draft next week, so I want to go through the Draft Network's draft machine or mock draft machine and go through a live mock draft on the podcast and give you guys uh, my thoughts on who you know who's available at each pick, my thought process on why I'm taking each guy, and we'll do that. And then whatever breaking news happens, right? So I'm hoping to do three next week. I could do four if something big happens, right? If Roethlisberger signs his extension, or you know the Steelers make another signing, Justin Houston, please let it happen. Um, if that happens, I'll certainly be available to do the podcast. But just expect a lighter week of podcasts next week. All right, that'll do it for me today. Thank you all for listening. If you want to leave feedback, SteelerCountry at gmail.com, the email address. You can follow me on Twitter at SteelerCountry, and I'll be back on Monday for more Locked on Steelers.